Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we have another Disney live-action remake to review for you. This time it's the classic film, The Little Mermaid, being updated and redone for 2023. So... Mm-hmm. We will be talking about that today on the show. Obviously, the original, very classic film. Um, we were talking before we started recording. Katie, you said you didn't really watch it that much as a child. The original. I remember right. watching it a bunch. Um, I don't know if I was the one that liked it or if my sister was the one that liked it or if we both liked it. I don't know. But yeah. I just remember watching it a, a lot. Like We watched it I a couple times. My mom loved it okay. um, because she thinks it's like her favorite music-wise of any of the Disney movies from that time. And I do remember I watched it quite a bit, but I know that I was not enamored with Ariel like a lot of people were. Like as far as thinking of her as like a Disney princess or they wanted to be like her or have her outfit, stuff like that. I wouldn't like that. Um, You were more of a Beauty and the Beast man, right? I was obsessed with Belle. I'm still obsessed with (laughs) Belle. Like Belle, I don't even know. I mean, I like to think it's because I recognize that she loved books and she like thought about a person's soul and what they were like rather than what they looked like. I don't know that I actually recognize that at like five years old, but I do know I just, I instantly loved Belle. And now knowing how much I like France and Mm -hmm. reading and all this other, the color blue, things like bows in my hair. I mean, I'm very clearly influenced by Belle. But I I thought she was the best. And then I loved – who else did I really like? I mean, I, I watched Aladdin a lot. But okay. that was more because I had a crush on Aladdin, not because I was <laughs> in love with Jasmine. Yeah, we did not watch Aladdin a bunch for whatever reason. Oh, I um, did. That was probably my second most watched. We watched Beauty and the Beast a lot, Little mm-hmm. Mermaid. I'm trying to think of there's some other ones that came out around that time too. Lion my King. Parents, that was one my, of my parents favorites. were obsessed so. with Lion King. Like they really yeah. wanted Sean and I to love the Lion King. We did. We really did like the Lion King. And then we also liked um uh oh my gosh. Oh, apparently we were enamored with 101 Dalmatians. Okay. And I don't know remember what episode it was, but you and I had talked about I thought the first movie I saw in theaters was Beauty and the Beast, but it was actually 101 Dalmatians. Okay. Um, but I guess Sean and I really liked that, which is cute. Huh, okay. But cool. anyway, Belle, I mean, Beauty and the Beast, hands down my favorite. And of the new, the new classics, if you will, Tangled is probably my favorite. Okay. Of the, like, the new princesses? Yeah. I love Tangled. Sense. So, yep. cool. Very nice. So we're going to talk about The Little Mermaid today, the remake on the show. We don't really have a ton of news. We do have one thing, though, that's kind of related to this episode. And that is that, if you didn't know, they're making a live-action Moana uh, you may have been like, wait, didn't that just come out? Yeah, in 2016, Moana did uh, release in theaters, but now they're going to make a live-action Moana, and it has a director now. It will be Thomas Kale, um, who helped with Hamilton oh, on Broadway. and in He's the married to Michelle Williams. Yeah, so... Wow! Yeah, yeah so he will be... Um, the one that will be directing this live action remake of Moana and the rock is going to come back and play his role of Maui. Um, but it has not been confirmed who will play Moana yet. Um, okay. The actress who played her is not going to return uh, for the, the live action role. So got it. Yep. So yeah, but uh, I mean, he obviously did a good job with Hamilton that obviously worked out very well for him. So we will see how the live action Moana turns out i don't know when that's supposed to come out probably i would guess 2025 2026 maybe since they just got a director i feel like it's still probably 
a ways away before we get that right. Movie. So, so that's the only news item we have, and no corrections today either. And then on to recommendations. Of course, Succession has wrapped up. Um, I would recommend that to you if you haven't seen it yet. Um, it's a great television show. I think all four seasons were really good. Probably one of my favorite shows on TV, if not my favorite show. So. I, and now that it's finished and we know what happens, I would recommend it to you. I think it uh, wrapped up in a in a satisfying way, especially if you've followed the show for the for all four seasons. So, yeah, that's all I'll say about it because I know some people haven't watched it yet. But maybe on a later episode, I'll go into more detail about actually what happens. But Katie Bless hasn't watched you, it yet. Yeah, I've three explorers. episodes left. I will finish it by this weekend. Without fail, it's going to be a top priority for me. Um, I also watched all, I watched all of the last thing he told me on Apple TV. I did, I will say this. I, that has Jennifer Garner in it. It was a Reese okay. Witherspoon book pick and then Hello Sunshine like produced it, whatever. It was well done. Okay. And it followed the book very closely. I was really impressed by that. However, I hated how the book ended and I remember just not being a huge fan of the book. And it was one of those where I think people, it was very polarizing. Like people either loved how it ended or people really hated how it ended. I was in the hate camp. But I wanted to watch the show because I really like Jennifer Garner. And I think Hello Sunshine produces really good material. And I was impressed by how closely they followed the book. And it was a good story. I watched it all like over the weekend. It was really quick to get through. Um, and then Jared, I forgot to put this in the notes. I watched all of Love and Death on HBO. Oh, with Elizabeth Olsen? Yeah. yeah, I've been watching... I don't know. I'm in a TV mood lately, not a movie mood. So I've been watching a lot of TV and catching up too because I just feel so behind for so many reasons. Part of it probably because of travel. Love and Death with Elizabeth Olsen and Jesse Plemons was excellent okay. on HBO. So, so good. Now, I did not see Candy, the one that Jessica Biel did. That is about the same case and the same murder and all that. Um, I'm willing to bet the HBO one was probably better done, but if you like anything like that, it was really, really good. Um, and I read about the real case too. And I, since I didn't see the one that Jessica Biel did, which I think was for Hulu, I can't tell you how they portrayed Candy, but I will tell you that this had a much more sympathetic bent, um, for her, Perhaps not innocence for her reasoning or like how this murder occurred. And it did. Ultimately, if the goal was to make me sympathize with her situation and the character and kind of believe her story, I did. So I, de I definitely think she committed the murder. Like she should get in trouble. We shouldn't kill anybody. But it was really interesting. Okay. And I'm, I'm impressed when a show can do that and make you go like, hmm, I might side with the killer on this one. Anyway... That was really good. And then the only, uh, I've started Ted Lasso. I'm almost caught up on that, on our, the newest season I just hadn't started. So I'm enjoying it, Jared. I, I know you said you didn't like the first few episodes. I am liking it. I think I'm just sad knowing the end is coming. Yeah, I will say it got a little better the last couple that I've watched. I didn't uh -huh. like the middle couple of episodes. I thought they weren't very strong, but I think I okay. had three left, maybe three or four. The final one just came out today while we're recording this, like the final episode of the season. <gasps> so, um, wait, isn't it the series? Yeah, that's still up in the air. So oh. it hasn't hasn't been confirmed yet by like Apple if this is the end of the show or if it's just 
the end of this season. But like some of the actors have been posting on social media things that make it seem like it's the end of the show, probably. But I don't know why they haven't just come out and said that and said directly. It. That's yeah, pretty yeah, weird. Yeah. Well, I will say um, this is not a spoiler for anybody because I don't know the mystery here yet. But I am confused. I'm questioning what's going to happen with why can't I think of Juno Temple's character? Why can't I think of her? Oh, name? Keely. Keely. I can't tell romantically what's about to happen because I could see it going three ways, and I can't okay. tell. So interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and I, by three ways, I mean three different people. I don't know. I, I'm seeing some interest in three areas. Um, anyway, we'll see about that. But then the only recommendation, like the only thing I successfully completed, um, besides Love and Death, was Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid, the book. Um, Jared, I know you read it earlier this year. I know that you yep. you w- you didn't love it, but you said it was pretty good. Yeah, I liked it, but I thought it was a little predictable in some parts. Oh, okay. So I did feel differently. I think um, this, I really, really liked it. Sorry, everyone had a mic issue. Everything is fine. (laughs) She was actually just, the book's about tennis. So you were so excited that you're acting like you were hitting the mic off the desk. (laughs) Um, I really liked it. I do think, I think maybe it was a tiny bit predictable, but I really liked how it ended. Okay. And I thought the character evolved in a way I didn't expect. And I don't think that always happens in a book. And I liked that the character was somewhat unlikable, but in the end had some likable qualities. And I, I mean, once I started, mainly I was upset with myself for waiting so long to read it because this book, unlike other Taylor Jenkins read books, I think it had very mixed reviews. Like some people I know really didn't like it. And some people were like, this is the best one yet. Well, actually, no one says that because everyone likes Evelyn Hugo the best. Okay. But which I would agree, that's still my favorite one, hands down. But uh, I thought this one was really good. This would be a top three for me. And I think I've read five of her books. Okay. Um, I like how it ended. And I couldn't believe how quickly I went through it. Like once I started it, I couldn't put it down. So it is a quick I, read. Yeah, I will say yeah. that pretty easy and to cruise through the other thing i liked that people might want to know i know you really like i like sports too but you like love sports i was concerned about an almost 400 page book about tennis and i like tennis i played tennis when i was young i like the sport i know and i'm like i'm like general knowledge level about the game um but i was worried it was just going to be very tennis heavy and although it had a lot of tennis in it i thought there was so much going on with the characters and what was happening with like their travel and all the people involved that it didn't feel like it was an unending barrage of tennis metaphors and sports stuff so if that helps anybody i would encourage you to read it cool so and i looked while you were talking about the last thing he told me and i gave that book three stars on goodreads so yeah i think i I gave it with you i thought it was okay but it wasn't great yeah it was just definitely it had some i remember that i think it was that one that had some plot holes or some things with the mystery that like you were just suspending belief for certain situations like things would have things happen in the book that like wouldn't really happen in real life because somebody would you know make note of it or figure it out or something. So I very much like to spend reality for the, for the book. (laughs) Yeah. I wrote a very, very short review on it. Um, I put this book wasn't bad, but it was seriously anticlimactic, which I don't like. 
I didn't put mm-hmm. that, but like, yeah. yeah. And then, and kind of sad, but I remember hating the ending and even watching the show. I was like, yep. I remember being, I remember it was a book <laughs> that I kind of was like, just angry when I set it down okay. when I was done. Like I was just kind of like, wow, yeah. but I wasted like I my time. Read all that. And then that was how it ended. Yeah. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, those are our recommends for this week. And now we'll talk about The Little Mermaid, released over Memorial Day weekend, May 26th. Rated PG for some scary images, action, and peril. It's two hours and 15 minutes. And IMDb, it's a 7 out of 10. And then Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 68%. Audience, 95%. It's done okay at the box office, made $118 million so far. Don't know if it'll get to a billion, which is what some of these other Disney live action remakes have gotten to. Um, it's made $197 million when you throw in the worldwide uh, total as well. So almost $200 million in its first uh, week of release. Synopsis, you probably know the story of The Little Mermaid. A young mermaid makes a deal with the sea witch to trade her beautiful voice for human legs so she can discover the world above water and impress a prince. And this is directed by Rob Marshall, who has done uh, some other Disney movies, including Mary Poppins Returns. He's also directed Chicago and Into the Woods. And he was nominated for a Best Director Oscar for the movie Chicago. Does not have any upcoming projects listed yet, um, but I'm sure he will be back. Again, Disney likes to use him, and uh, he's, he's done some other things as well. Uh, pretty pretty well-known director. So, Jared. One thing I like that we do when we go to these films, especially, is talk about our audience that was mm-hmm. there. And I was, I went last night, I went on a Tuesday, which is the discount day here for our theater. Um, and there were a lot of kids. I loved, I loved seeing um, personally a lot of people in the audience who were black. I was really excited about that because of the main character and everything. I'm happy this is appealing to different demographics. There were a ton of kids. And they were actually very well behaved. I think there was only one kid that like ran up and down the aisle once to go to the bathroom <laughs> and was loud. But I was impressed with how well behaved the kids were. And I wasn't surprised it was busy for the discount day, but I was surprised by how packed it was for a Tuesday. Yeah, I had a decent amount of kids in my showing as well. I went and saw it this afternoon, um, but they were all well behaved too. I like when this is going to sound a little weird, but I don't mean for it to be weird. I like when there are kids in a kids movie because I like yes. to kind of see what their reaction is. Because I, I know, know exactly sometimes what you mean. The movie is not made for me. The movie is made for kids. So are you know if the kids are laughing, giggling, if they're like talking to their parents about something that happened then that tells me that they're like engaged in the movie. But if that's not happening, then maybe it's not impacting them as much as maybe it should be since it's a kid's movie. So I always like when there's some kids in the, in the kid's movie, obviously to, 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 I like to judge their reactions to it and see if they're like enjoying it. So, right. I I get you. I don't think that's weird. (laughs) So we'll take a break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast for this one and our likes and dislikes for the little mermaid. And we're back here on the show talking about The Little Mermaid. Of course, in the role of Ariel, we have Howie Bailey. I will, I'm sure I will call her Howie Barry at some point on this episode. I apologize, but it's Howie Bailey, and she plays Ariel. Um, Jared, I didn't write this, but can you please give me a crush alert for her? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Really, really into Howie. In fact, not to be... Um, hmm. Not to objectify her, I did, I remember thinking multiple times in the movie, like, this mermaid's really hot. Um, and I, <laughs> and because I know, I know her, like, I know it was Hallie, but I was just like, she is, she is pretty. So, 
Yeah. But I, I don't think kids are thinking that same way. But like as a grown woman, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Been working out. Okay. Anyway, I really like Hallie Bailey. This is the first thing I've seen her in, but I know of her because I've seen her in like bits and pieces of other shows. And I knew she was going to be in the upcoming Color Purple. So she is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. She is best known for A Wrinkle in Time, Last Holiday, and the TV series Grownish. Next up, you can see her in The Color Purple, which Jared and I just talked about in one of our recent episodes. That's coming out at Christmas. And also the movie The Line. Cool. Then we have Melissa McCarthy. Who doesn't love Melissa McCarthy? No one has to answer that. I love her. Um, She plays Ursula. I have a lot to say about her performance. Um, Melissa McCarthy is originally from Plainfield, Illinois. I had no idea. So I had to throw that fact in. And she grew up on a farm. I had no idea. She is best known for Bridesmaids, Spy, Tammy, The Heat, The Starling, and the TV series Nine Perfect Strangers. She's been nominated for two Oscars, um, Best Supporting Actress for Bridesmaids in 2012. And in 2019, she was nominated for Best Actress for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Next up, you can see her in Unfrosted and an untitled Peanut or Peanut Peacock Project. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just making sure everybody's paying attention. And then last, we have Jonah Howard King. He plays Eric. He is originally from London. I had never seen him before, but I I liked him as Eric. He He was a pretty good Eric. He is best known for A Dog's Way Home, Postcards from London, and the TV miniseries Little Women best book ever. Uh, Next up, you can see him in A Beautiful Imperfection in the TV series, The Tattooist of Auschwitz, which I've heard is an exceptional book. I can't bring myself to read it quite yet. Um, I've also, I I feel like I have read way, way too many World War II books in the last few years. So I'm just kind of like taking a minute. Um, I'm thinking this year I might do like two. Anyway, I just feel like our our world is overly saturated with um, World War II stuff instead of some of the other wars. Anyway, yeah, that could just that be my true. opinion. Yeah. Um, and then the supporting cast for this movie was fantastic. A lot of these people um, lent their vocal talents, not not necessarily um, their faces. But this movie also starred Javier Bardem, Art Malik, Jacob Tremblay, Davi Diggs, Aquafina, and Noma Dumaswini. She played the queen in this film. Yes. So... Um, also, just want to remind the audience that we mentioned Unfrosted. Uh, Melissa McCarthy going to be in that. That is the movie about the history of Pop-Tarts directed Pop-tarts. by Jerry Steinfeld. So, Jared, uh, I think um, <laughs> if we're doing the podcast and everything and we review that movie, we should eat Pop-Tarts either right before or while we're recording the episode. <laughs> I think we should do. So. Cool. Love and it. we'll like we'll rank all the uh the flavors or yes, we've already given our favorites, but we I know we've already three. Yeah. we had a long discussion on this. Yeah. Jared likes the cinnamon. I don't. Yep. I love cherries my number one, strawberries number two. We both like strawberry, so we both yeah. agree on that. It's a yeah. classic. It is. Yeah, you can't go wrong. So And I don't mess around with s'mores anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Some of the flavors of the Pop Tarts are wild. So yeah. uh <laughs> Getting into our likes uh, for The Little Mermaid. Um, okay, well, I guess we should start here because there's been a lot of discussion about this particular topic. Um, and that is that The Little Mermaid is black in this movie. She um, is. And honestly, I don't have any problems with that. I don't know why you would have a problem with that I either in terms of not like me. Uh, no, not you, but like <laughs> the audience having a problem with that. Like, I mean, it's 2023. Let's see, there's, there's no issue with it. And there's, you know, so she's not white. Big deal. It's still she's still Ariel. And I think it's cool. I've seen TikToks and videos of stuff 
of little girls who are black going to see this mm-hmm. movie or I seeing know. like a, a preview on TV of this movie and being really excited because she looks like them. So that's really cool. And there's not, I don't think, at least to my knowledge, there's not a Disney live action uh, movie where there's a black princess. Obviously, the princess and the frog, but that's animated. So that and that's it. Like, That's like all we have. Yeah. So just this and that. Yeah. (laughs) I cannot believe how much people have like freaked out about this movie. I was hoping the box office would be better because even last night I was like, I'm so glad there's this many people in here. I hope this means it's going to do well. Um, I think Hallie is obviously beautiful, but extremely talented. I think this was an example of probably they picked the best person for the job hands down. I don't know that they were trying to make Disney was trying to make a statement with it, but also it's crazy to me that people get so incensed about certain characters, like they'll be like, no, this person's white. Who said Ariel was white? Also, if she does live in an area where they have Calypso music and steel drums and everything else, and it's quite tropical, chances are she's not white as a ghost like I am. Like that's, it. somebody has created that idea and saw a very, very white Ariel in the animated film and then just assumed she has to be that. Yeah. And there's nothing that explicitly says that she wasn't black either. Um, and I just, I feel like 2023, we got to get past that. Like this is not the time to get up in arms about this stuff. And I think they picked the best, most talented person for the job. And I think she did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know why that would, that was such a big point of discussion with this movie that I felt like we had to bring it up, but I, I don't know why it was such a big point of discussion. Cause I mean, it's not really, a big deal. It's just, she's going to play Ariel. And like you said, her voice was outstanding in this movie. She sang very, very well. Um, and obviously she sings like, like as a professional career anyway. So, uh, I think you're right. It just made sense to pick her for the role when she was the best person for the role. And she did a great job Thank as Ariel, you. like you said. So that kind of leads into the, the first like though, is like all the different representation, um, lots of different, uh, races, genders, all that type of stuff in this particular film, probably more so than the first one, but very like good showing of representation in this movie. So, yes, I love all the representation too, because I even thought it was interesting to have Javier as the dad mm-hmm. um, yeah. with, with like his Spanish accent and everything, but he was a great choice. And I, I liked another thing I really liked was the queen Eric's mom. Well, his parents have adopted him. So he makes that clear at the beginning. Like he, was found, I think, after a shipwreck or something. I can't remember the circumstances. But he's been taken in um, by the queen who is black. And then her husband who is... or I, Was that her husband? I don't know. I think, I think it was. So. Yeah. Yeah. And he he's definitely a person of color. Um, but I, I really liked that too. Because again, that was just... That was a choice that I'm sure they did make probably intentionally. Like, well, we can... Let's just hire the best people for it or people we like for it. Um, so I liked that as well. And I just like the representation of all the different mermaids, the seven different mermaids, the sisters, that they were all different colors, skin colors. They all looked like they were from different parts of the world. And I thought that was beautiful. So that was one of my favorite things about the film. Another like was the costumes as well. Um, those were really good in this particular movie. Ursula, obviously, and Ariel. They're using a mixture there of like a real costume and then some CGI as well, especially for Ursula. That's kind of a mixture of both and King Triton as well. But I thought like you said in the notes, I thought King Triton's costume looked a little weird or odd. I don't know. He's just such a like demanding presence in the original movie. Like, and Javier obviously can be like a demanding presence as well. And like, 
play him a certain way, but I just felt like he wasn't maybe as, as menacing in this movie or he wasn't, they didn't showcase him as being like so much bigger than ever. Like in the animated movie, he's just like towers over everybody. And in this movie, that's not really the case. So I don't know if he came across as like as much of a presence in this particular film and his costume also didn't look great with this the cgi mix on it so yes his costume was a dislike for me but i thought some of the other costumes were fantastic um personally but i i thought his i think he wasn't as menacing i would agree with you it didn't stick out to me as like a bad thing though but um the thing that was crazy to me at the end i I couldn't real remember what happened to Triton in the original, like in the animated. Um, but in this version, everyone, spoiler, like he dies for a minute. <laughs> he comes back. But I I don't know if that's something I just forgot about the original, but I couldn't believe all these little kids were in the film. And I was like, oh my gosh, her dad just died. I was so devastated. I almost cried. Um, I was getting really emotional about it. But anyway, uh, he comes back to life. So that's good. But I remember that just shook me, not from the perspective of like Javier, it was just more like killing a parent um, was shocking to me that they would do that in this film. Um, another like that you, uh, we both had, this one we both had, um, was obviously Hallie Bailey. Great job as Ariel in terms of her singing voice. Like when she sings part of your world, does an amazing job with that. She obviously sings a couple of other times throughout the movie. And then Melissa McCarthy was also good as well when she sang Poor Unfortunate Souls. That's obviously Ursula's big number in the, in the movie. But both of them did a really good job in the, the singing parts of this film. Totally agree. And Hallie, I had never heard her sing outright. I know she's done some like um, recording and stuff. So I'd heard like snippets of her sing before. But you are right, Jared, that part of your world performance was stellar. And that's not even a song as a kid. I remember being like, it's kind of like when a ballad comes on and you're at a party and you're like, this is really killing the vibe. I remember part of your world was one of those songs for me as a kid where I was like, mm, this just, this just ain't the mood. Um, but I, in this movie, I was really impressed with that song. It was like, dang, that was a moment. And that was beautiful. She did such a good job. And I actually thought Eric was a pretty good singer as well. Um, but I have more to say about the songs in dislikes. Um, you also liked Sebastian and Scuttle. I really did not I did not really like their performances. Um, so we kind of disagree on that one. I think that David Diggs was just kind of doing of an, an impression of Sebastian from the original movie. Mm -hmm. And then Aquafina, while Scuttle was very like over the top and everything, I don't know, something about it just didn't didn't connect with me from her from her i thought she was better than david diggs if i had to give like worst vocal performance in this movie i would probably give it to david diggs so i okay i'd like to change my answer because i have thought about this throughout okay. today um i would say i disliked sebastian i liked scuttle scuttle okay. i found to be a little annoying and unnecessary as a character but i thought aquafina as the voice was very a funny choice um and I think she added a lot of levity. We needed it. My favorite thing she did was when she crawled on Ariel's legs and said, there's something different about you. It was looking at her and didn't put together that the legs were the thing that was different about her. I thought that was funny. Um, I was also, I'm, I don't mean to go back and forth between likes and dislikes, but um, I was a little disappointed Flounder wasn't as prevalent in this because Flounder was like a big, big deal in the animated version. Um, I get why... I do get why he couldn't be huge in this because they were trying to be realistic about a fish can't live outside of water. I get it. 
Um, but I missed his presence in the film. But I'm with you. I didn't like David Diggs' accent. Um, and in fact, I was a little like, should he be doing this accent if he's not from that area? Like, I kind of thought, how is this any different than some of the other stuff we worry about people like portraying a different race yeah. or something like that? I, I kind of was like, I don't know that he should be doing this. Um, and then I also thought that Sebastian was like annoying. I don't remember him being, I, I think I, he was annoying in the animated film too, but I remember him being somewhat charismatic you know and this one he didn't feel that way so i'm with you on sebastian as a dislike i did like like scuttle Scuttle. more than i disliked her yeah and i was in flounder jacob tremblay i was fine with obviously like you said he's not in the movie as much as he is in the first one he probably only has like a couple of scenes like at the beginning and then he pops up a few more times so i'm not going to judge judge his performance really as hard and i think he did a fine job as flounder but he's just not in the movie as much as scuttle and sebastian's in the movie the most out of the three of them so um for that performance to not be great is not awesome so um another like for this movie is uh alan Menken came back to do the music for this one obviously he did the music for the first one when manuel miranda helped him with the music on this one but to bring him back to do a lot of the score for this movie uh made it sound uh, in a lot of ways, like the first one, and the music is so iconic in the first one that they they change some of the arrangements and things. They sound a little bit different, and obviously, when you have these um, actors and actresses who are going to sing, you have to kind of transpose the song into their key so that it sounds correct. Sure. So, um, but I thought the the music was good in this in terms of the score, and especially since he did it, I thought that was cool that he got to do this one since he did the the first one. Yeah, couldn't say it better myself. I was so pleased to see Alan Minkin's name associated with it. And it made sense, too. I liked all of the stuff that was from the animated, like from the original movie. Um, My favorite, without question, was Under the Sea as far as like the original and this one. I love the lyrics in that. I love the... um, the actual music musical instruments used in that song. That was one of my favorite songs as a kid, but I didn't care about watching the whole movie. I just loved listening to the song under the sea. That's a super fun one. And I played that on piano. I remember I have a Disney piano book and that was one of my favorite songs to play on piano. It's really fun and it's fast. Um, but I'm with you. I liked that, but in dislikes, I have more to say about the arrangements and things, but I liked everything Alan Menken did that was like from the original movie I thought was stellar. And they also did a lot of like camera shots that were directly from the original, which I thought was cool. Like Ariel, now she looked real sexy coming out of that water. I have to say, (laughs) I'm not trying to be gross. I'm just saying like, Definitely a different vibe um, watching Hallie do this than watching an animated cartoon character, um, even though she was pretty too. Um, but when she like comes out of the water and flips her hair, kind of Baywatch style, that was exactly from the original movie. And there were a lot of shots with like Ursula singing Poor Unfortunate Souls. Like a lot of that and her movement was exactly like the original. And I liked that. I thought that was really cool. And I would like to see some of these scenes side by side, you know, where they showed like, here's the animated, here's the live action. Um, because it was very, very close. And I thought they did a great job with that. Yeah, I would agree. And when she's singing to like part of your world, she's obviously in that little cove or whatever that has that opening at the top. And in the animated movie, she like swims up through that. And then in this movie, she does the same thing. So yeah, they paid homage to the original in, in a lot of different ways. So and then you also um, thought that this was better as a live action movie than an animated movie in terms yes. of how it works, you know, on screen. That might be the craziest thing I've said. Um, and I I did think about that last night. 
I I did not hate the original. I never wanted it to come across that way. I just know it wasn't like um it didn't make a huge impression on me as a kid when the movie came out. Um I liked about this. I liked the diversity. I liked a lot about what they did with it as a modern movie in 2023 that we just didn't get in the animated film. Um, But a lot of the stuff I really liked was seeing things like them walk around the village and stuff. And she got to try some of the food and tried to figure out what a fork was, but she thinks it's a dingle hopper. There were certain things that I just thought worked better watching it as a live action film as opposed to an animated film. Um, I thought things too, like the realistic stuff about how Flounder couldn't come up up on land because he's a fish, things like that just um, made more sense to me as live action. So I preferred this. Mainly diversity was probably the biggest thing. Um, I think that this is a movie that that worked well and really aided it. And I also thought that was more realistic for whatever part of the world they were in than anything Mm -hmm. that happened in the original film. I had one final like before we move on to dislikes. Um, I liked how they used practical effects and CGI in this movie. They could have very easily like CGI'd all the water if they wanted to. And they do that in a lot of parts because it just makes sense that you have to do it that way. But there are certain scenes like... When they're on the boat, that's obviously like a real set. They have water actually like splashing on them. There's a time when they're like stuck in the ocean and they're like actually you can tell they're actually swimming. It's not CGI. So I appreciated that decision by Rob Marshall to kind of use a mixture of both. Um, I don't think the CGI looks particularly great in this movie at times, but I did appreciate that the entire thing wasn't CGI and that they did use some like practical effects at certain times and actually had the actors in like tanks and stuff um, and in the water and filmed it that way. So do you have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? No, that's it for me. I know I've kind of gone back and forth, but I'll try to make sense in all my dislikes. (laughs) Cool. So on to dislikes now. Uh, First dislike um, that we both agree on is this movie has some new songs in them. Those new songs were written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. There's three new songs. None of those three songs are good. Nope. All three of them uh, suck. In fact, that Scuttlebutt song might be the worst thing I've ever heard Lin-Manuel Miranda write. Um, that yeah. was awful. <laughs> really bad. I I didn't like Eric's song because I thought it did nothing for the film. He has a really yeah. nice voice. Like I did think, I was like, wow, this Jonah guy has a very nice voice. And he is cute. Uh, not a crush alert for me, but like he's, a, he's an attractive man. He's handsome. Um, and his voice was beautiful, but I was like, this song really has not much to do with the film. Why did we add this? It's not like missing from the animated film. I didn't think like, you know, what we really need to add here, uh, like ballad from the Prince who basically doesn't matter at all in this story. Um, I thought that was weird. The scuttle thing was absolutely terrible. Yeah. I hated all the new songs, hated them. Yeah. The only one that was slightly okay was that one where Ariel's singing about like doing stuff for the first time. I thought that was the best one out of three, but even that one wasn't that good. So, um, and I think that leads me into another dislike is I thought that this movie focused on Eric a lot as opposed to the original. And I don't think Eric is that important in the story of the little mermaid. I mean, he gets his own song in this. He's got multiple scenes where it's like just him. Um, Mm -hmm. it was really a bigger focus on Eric in this movie. And I don't think that's, that's really needed. So I would have cut some of that out. Agreed. I noticed the same thing. I thought this was very Eric heavy and I, I liked showing he was very sympathetic to Ariel. Like he was very patient with her when she didn't have a voice. Um, 
you know, he seemed very like in- interested in who she was and where she came from. Um, he was very accepting of her being like a mer creature because there's there's some element of like um, they're different than us. And he very quickly overcame that. Didn't seem um, like a bigoted person. Bigoted, like he didn't seem like a bigot in any way. That's what I'm trying to say. And so I liked things about him, but I don't know why that was the choice. Because it's certainly not like men have been oppressed for generations and we really need to talk about men more, you know? So it was weird that they were like, let's focus more on the guy in this movie about a mermaid. Um, I thought that was super weird. Yeah, I I thought that was very odd. Um, That also leads into a dislike that this one is long. I thought the first 45 minutes was pretty good. I thought the second half and the middle really dragged. I mean, there's like a 15, 20 minute sequence in here where... Ariel can't talk because she's lost her voice and Eric really isn't talking and they're just like doing things like a little montage of like going to the market and uh, doing some other things together and that just like really lost me during that part I was like I I don't think we needed this I saw a little they put a little clip before the movie like while we were sitting there waiting for it to start and they were talking to Rob Marshall and Rob Marshall was like, yeah, we, you know, we expanded the story in this one and we added some things. And I'm like, you just made it longer. Like you didn't add to the story at all. You just spaced out the things that happened and made them take longer, which was not necessary. It's the same story. It's not like there's a whole new character, a whole new plot line or anything. It's following the same basic beats of the first one. So I thought that was weird that he said that, that he was like, we expanded the story and I'm like, oh, what did they add? And I watched it and it was like just more Eric and then like some unnecessary scenes that just added to the the runtime for no reason. I liked the market scene because to me that felt like a real date. Like that felt like what um, you know, when you're like falling in love with someone and you're realizing like this could be a person I could spend my life with whether you plan to be married or not. I feel like that really kind of showed that. And also I, I think as I've gotten older, I realized how much it, um, how fortunate if you have somebody that you like to travel with and go to new places, try new things. So I liked that. I found that to be very relatable, um, and just very human. And I liked that he could get along with Ariel and be interested in her even when she couldn't talk because he didn't know her circumstances. I kept thinking that like he, for all he knows, she was actually born mute and just cannot speak. Um, and he didn't seem very bothered by that, which I thought was cool. What I thought they spent too much time on was a lot of the stuff with Triton and the family and conversations with Sebastian. Like they're not important characters. I did like Javier as Triton, but they made it a much bigger deal about a father and a daughter story, which would be fine if, if half the focus wasn't also on Eric. I just felt like they couldn't pick which man to focus on, which is weird because it's a movie called The Little Mermaid. In the end, I will say it worked in their favor because I was deeply moved by Triton, like saying goodbye to her and supporting their marriage and all that stuff. But I don't think any of that was necessary. Um, Mm -hmm. And really, my problem was just that they should have picked one. If there was going to be a focus on a male, they should have picked one to focus on and they picked two. And I thought that was weird. I did think this was too long, especially not because you and I harp on that. But because I'm thinking of even like the the attention span of a child, like 90 yeah. minutes is pushing it for a five-year-old to see a movie. And this isn't even an animated film. And to think they're going to like stick with it and get all these like nuanced, deep emotional stories, they're not going to get it. Like even me talking about the market scene and that being like a real date, I'm saying that in my 30s or whatever, but like, I don't know 
what other like, kids are not going to think about that or be like, oh, I remember our honeymoon or, oh, I remember <sighs> dating. Like people, they're not going to be thinking that. I don't know. Yeah. Those I mean, the most thoughts. the most popular kids movie that's come out so far this year is Super Mario Brothers in terms of yeah. box office. And yeah. that movie's an hour and 30 minutes. And that's probably yeah. part of the reason why is that parents know that it's 90 minutes. It's also animated. So that helps. And it's very colorful and bright. But um, you know, I think that to do two hours and 15 minutes for the little mermaid is a little outrageous in terms of the story and that being that long. So, yeah. And then I thought of another thing, uh, just speaking about Triton that we were kind of talking to about earlier, you and I both, I thought his outfit was terrible. I really liked, I was, I didn't put this in likes. I really was impressed with the mermaid outfit, like with, um, Hallie's outfit, uh, because I thought it was interesting. Of course, she'd be fit. Honestly, if you're swimming that much, like, of course, your body's going to be like amazing. But also, I thought it was very interesting how the tail started and stuff. It looked like there were scales and things around her stomach, her abdomen. I thought that was interesting. Um, I really liked how they portrayed like the purple bra top situation, swimsuit, whatever you want to call it. Um, but Triton's outfit was terrible. And I really liked Ursula's too. It was like Triton specifically, that outfit looked really bad. Yeah. Um, I had a few other little dislikes. Yeah. Um, just like little things. One, the CGI, some points in this movie, it doesn't look very good. Um, it just sometimes it looks fine. You can't really tell. And then other times you can definitely tell that it's CGI. Also, this movie has a very muted color palette in terms of that it's not very bright and vibrant. And the original Little Mermaid is very bright and vibrant. Um, especially the underwater scenes in this movie just seem very dark at times. Um, and obviously like the scenes with Ursula are going to be that way anyway, but just regular scenes, it feels like there's not enough color. There's not enough like going on sometimes in this, in this world that they're portraying. And that leads me to my final dislike, which is that I thought the under the sea musical number was awful in this one. I was excited for it. It's my favorite song from the original. And I just thought that it did not, it did not feel the same as the original. I don't know what the reason was, but I liked the song, but I just didn't think it was as good in this one as the original. Wow. <laughs> My jaw is on the floor. <laughs> on the floor. I do get what you're saying. They changed a couple things about it, but I thought as far as like the musical instruments they use and the fun lyrics and everything, I was like, yeah, oh, that was all there. Yeah. Taking me back. I, I was jamming. I was like singing in the theater. I was by myself. There were a bunch of moms and kids around me, and I was like, "Yeah, under the water." I and I remember the lyrics too, so that was really fun. Yeah, I sorry, think I didn't mean just, to sing everyone. I won't. I won't do that again. I think At it least was just David Diggs singing of the song. I don't. I don't think I enjoyed the way he sang it. And then, yeah, like the in the original, I just feel like there's all this stuff going on, and there's some of that going on in here, but I felt like there maybe wasn't as much. I don't know. So I just yeah just didn't love it as much. But I thought the other songs from the original in this movie were pretty good. Like part of your world was good. Kiss the girl was good. Um, poor unfortunate souls was good, but it was just under the sea that I did not, yeah. did not really like. You so. know what? I'm so sorry. I didn't mention how much I liked Melissa McCarthy's performance. As, I know as Ursula. Yeah. Yes. I was really impressed by her and I don't know. Was that her singing? I think so. I'm pretty sure. I think sure. it was. And yeah. if it was, she's spectacular. Um, and wow, she's been sitting on that for a while. Um, I thought she really embodied Ursula. I liked seeing her as a villain. Ursula always, I remember as a kid, not knowing the word like sensuous or like sensual, but Ursula was that. Like I noticed 
that the way she moved and everything, it was very like octopus like, but it was also very like seductive, I guess. Um, and I know that's weird to kind of say that with a children's movie, but I'm saying like she seemed like kind of a sorcerer that could con people into trusting her and believing her. She's like a female cult leader. Oh, yeah. did we just find the soundbite for this one? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I thought she did such a good job. So I'm sorry I didn't mention that earlier. I thought she was fantastic. But yeah, yeah okay. So you and I disagree on the, the song, Under the Sea. Yeah. Okay. And Ursula is one of the more scary Disney She is. And she was scary in this. She was scary in the animated one and this. I remember her being scary. I do think out of villains, there were a lot to be scared of in childhood. Um, Judge Claude, let's, this is, I don't mean to go on this tangent. Judge Claude Frollo in um, Hunchback of Notre Dame, he scared the hell out of me. He's probably Um, the scariest, yeah. He was, (laughs) wow. He's talking about hellfire. Like, I don't know what was wrong with him. He scared me. Um, mm, uh, Maleficent. Maleficent, I think, scared me the most. I didn't know yeah. what was going on with her, but something wasn't right. Um, other I than that, I've, yeah. Uh, I would have to add Scar, too, from Lion King. Scar's pretty <gasps> Scar, brutal. Scar kills his brother, you guys. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yep. Murders his brother in cold blood. Scar's pretty also, bad. Also, <laughs> if you guys didn't remember, fun fact, I think I've said this 18 times, but it's the story of Hamlet. So if you don't know Hamlet, watch The Lion King. It's literally... Hamlet by William Shakespeare. And if we ruined the Lion King for you just there, uh, it's been out for 30 years. I mean, 30 years. Yeah. Get, get with it. It's also, it had been on Broadway for 30 years. Like it's, <laughs> it's been everywhere for 30 years. So get with it. Okay. Any other uh, dislikes before we move on to our scores? I am all set. Thank okay. you. Okay. You're going first. So what are you, what are you rating this? Okay. So I had to think about this a little bit. I am going to go ahead and give this a 71. It's not the worst movie I've seen this year. It it did give me like all the feels. There was a lot of nostalgia. I got a little choked up at the end, quite honestly. Um, remembering like being a kid and singing these songs. Also, anytime someone brings up an element with a parent dying or almost dying or like not being with your parents, I just lose my mind these days. So that was that really choked me up. Like anything with Triton, um, and just remembering things like it was neat to see a film um, that I had seen as a kid and to be this age and like see it in a completely different light and a different perspective, but to see like a black woman portray the little mermaid and then see all these little kids, but a lot of them were people of color. That was just very moving to me. So I did think it was good. It was better than I expected, but there was quite a bit that I disliked. I don't, this is not one I'm going to buy. This is not one. I don't, I might watch it again. If it was on like Disney Plus and I'm just chilling mm-hmm. at home, I might watch it again. Um, I d- that being said, final thought, I do hope it makes more money at the box office. And I hope that Disney continues to make more decisions like this um, where they put like a person of color at the helm because I think that was a really good decision. Yeah, I'm going to go a little bit lower than you. Um, I also understand, though, that this movie is not like marketed towards me. It's not marketed toward uh, a guy in his twenties who doesn't have any kids yet. Um, right. That's not, that's not who Disney is going for, for the audience, for the little mermaid, but I'm going to give this a 60 out of 100. I think the original Ooh. I like better. There's just a lot of things that I dislike. The main thing being just how much longer it was. 
the Prince Eric edition storyline, not liking Sebastian very much, the new songs, all of that just dropped it down for me. So, well, I think it was fine. I don't know if I will watch it again. I I mean, I won't buy it. But like you said, if it was on Disney Plus, maybe I would watch it a couple years down the line, possibly. But I don't know why I would watch this, why I would choose to watch this version over the original version. I see. Uh, except okay. maybe for Howie Bailey, because she did her singing in this was pretty and incredible. She's so, so beautiful. Yeah. Like so. I don't know what happened to me. I was just watching. I was like, oh my Entranced, gosh, she is so. so beautiful. Yeah. So that's our thoughts on The Little Mermaid. You can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram, or just search the Silver Screen Podcast on Facebook. You can find our letterbox profiles in the description for the show. Wherever you listen to your podcast, just click there in the description and you can follow us on Letterboxd. And then on our next episode, we're going to have a special guest joining us. And uh, Brandy, Brandon Shockney, excuse me, will be on our next episode of the show to review Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse the sequel to the first Spider-Verse movie. This is the second one. Same animation style for this one as well. Very bright, colorful, and vibrant. So excited to check this one out. I think it'll be good. The first one was very good. Um, Yes. And so, yeah, excited to talk some Spider-Man next week. Me too. And he is a friend of the pod and avid listener. Um, And if you all remember our special guest, Mandy Shannon, that was on that we loved so much when we did Midnight in Paris, we are all friends together. Um, so I'm sure it, I'm sure it'll lead for a good show. And he is, when I say obsessed with Spider-Man, I mean like full blown, full blown. It's like, (laughs) it's like if I talk about, um, like French culture or fashion or Audrey Hepburn or little women, that's where we're, that's, that's the area we're talking about his level of the love of for Spider-Man. So should be a good episode. And he has podcast experience. He's to have a podcast of his own. So nice. knows what he's doing. That'll be next week, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.